Welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. This is episode 24, how to choose the right content for each stage of the funnel. Brought to you by Araxum, your resource for marketing and technology. For more information, visit araxum.com. That's A R A X A M.com. Well, Chris, this is a happy hour. And as we always start off, a happy hour is not complete without a few beverages. What do you have in front of you today? You know, I am sticking local again, and the reason I'm sticking local is a friend of mine who actually happens to listen to the podcast, FDL. Cheers to you, buddy, if you're out there. Uh, I saw him in the last week or so here, and he gave me some beer from the Tampa Heights area. It's a new brewery called Woven Water, and I'm drinking a Lucid, which is an IPA, which is not usually my style, but what I really like about this uh, IPA is it doesn't have the bite of a traditional IPA. It's it's very, very smooth, so I'm really enjoying it. Big thanks to Abdiel. What about you, Ryan? What are you drinking? So I've been on this beer kick for a while. Love especially when autumn comes around, love the pumpkin spice beers and everything else, uh, Oktoberfest and so forth. So I kind of switched it back up and kind of back on a wine kick again. So I'm drinking a, uh, went to the store, did not have the one I wanted, grabbed a La Crema because that's all they had, Chardonnay, and actually really liked it. I think it's something I've had a long time ago. And so that is what I'm drinking during today's happy hour. Very nice. Well, we've got our beverages in hand. Let's get started. He's Ryan Smith. I'm Chris Caselli. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Digital Marketing Happy Hour. Marketing is a big passion of ours, and we hope that you'll enjoy this episode. Our goal is to help your business achieve results so you can reach your goals. We constantly hear that content and content marketing are vital to build awareness and drive leads, right? Of course, it's, we hear that everywhere. However, what we hear from the feedback of you, the listeners, via social media is a lot of you are not exactly sure what type of content to put at really any part of the stage of the funnel. So a common mistake we see is as soon as you have someone's contact information, they fill out a form, you get their email address, you're immediately sending that person to the sales page. So it's tough to get customers if you move too quickly. And we always like to think of it just like dating. You know, sometimes you have to go a little bit slow. Yeah, and it's really about understanding where your audience is and, you know, in their journey. As Neil Schaefer explained back during episode 15 of this podcast, there are three primary pillars of digital marketing, search, social, and email. All of them require content. Back during episode 17, we actually dug a little bit deeper into those three pillars because you asked for it, right? And so today, one of the questions that Ryan and I continually receive regarding content is what content is relevant for your audience at different stages in their customer journey? So that's where the idea for today's episode came from. How to choose the right content for each stage of the funnel, or essentially each stage in their customer journey. If we go back a little old school real quick, we're going to talk about a traditional funnel. Don't lose us. Don't change right now. It, it, listen to this if you know all this, because we're going to get into some of the, the areas maybe that you're missing out. 
So first of all, a traditional funnel, as we know, is you kind of start at the top and you push your way down. You have the top of the funnel, which is the awareness stage. Then you have the middle of the funnel, which is that consideration stage. Then you have the bottom of the funnel, the decision stage. So old school, you could only start at the top. That could be because somebody saw a TV commercial and that was the beginning of the awareness stage. That was kind of the only way they were going to learn about you. Eventually, they got to the bottom of the funnel where maybe they went into your brick and mortar store. And then that was the decision was made there. So that's an old school. However, we know a few years ago at Inbound, uh, Brian Halligan introduced a new way of looking at things, which is the flywheel. So instead of looking at it as a more traditional funnel where leads kind of trickle down throughout the process, the flywheel is that continuous loop of customer engagement. And the reason for that, of course, is that once you've sold to your prospective customers, you want to keep them engaged with you, right? You want to keep them coming back to, to buy from you over and over again. And even if they're not purchasing new products from you, you want them out there acting as a referral. So you want to be continually delighting those customers, making sure that they're engaged and happy with the product and they act as brand ambassadors for you over time. So it's the same concept. It's just shifted a little bit so that you think about the long-term effects of, of maintaining a relationship with those customers. So I'm going to interject here, uh, Chris. One thing that we, we we just hate on this podcast is when you say anything marketing related is dead. And one thing you hear is like, well, there's no such thing as a funnel anymore. You know, is the funnel dead, Chris? No, Ryan, nothing is dead. <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> but I think it's I think what you could say is the funnel has evolved. And so anybody who says, oh, I know all about this and you you're not listening anymore. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. And I still think the fundamental process of a funnel, and maybe we just, that's why HubSpot changed it to a flywheel, because it's not a typical funnel that you would think of, where before you could only enter in at the very top of the, the funnel. Now you can come in right at the middle and be introduced at the same time, you know, based on whatever your marketing efforts are. So I think that's some of the sort of nuances of how the funnel has changed. And I kind of like the flywheel because it is sort of that perpetual wheel that keeps spinning because as we know, you never stop marketing. So even after they become a customer, you continue to market at them. Now, obviously your messaging is going to change because they already bought from you. So there's different things you can do with that, but you never stop marketing. You never stop communicating. So I get why HubSpot did that. But remember the fundamentals has not changed. It is still the same. People have to become aware of you. They have to consider their options. And at the end of that, they're going to make a decision. So I think when we go through this, if you're not familiar or you are just starting off or you've been doing this for a while, but you get confused maybe on what content types, hopefully this will help you as we break down content types for each part of the funnel. Yeah, and I really like the way you describe that, Ryan. It, it The flywheel is simply an evolution of the traditional funnel. And the reason marketing continues to evolve is because the world around us continues to evolve, right? And the main premise of the flywheel that I think is so important is continue the relationship with your customers, continue to delight them and make them happy. Why? Well, one of the keys today to any successful business is online reviews, right? Jay Baer talked about that when we were talking about how to rewire the customer experience. Individuals leave reviews on a business or a product or a service, and that informs other people in terms of whether or not they might be interested in purchasing the same product, service, or, or whatnot. 
the flywheel is what allows that to happen because you're engaging with your customers in such a way that their experience with you is fantastic. Hopefully, if you're doing it right, the product or service they're buying from you is fantastic. And so they want to tell other people about it, right? And so continually engaging with them allows you to create more positive reviews, which then allows you to influence more people down the line to, to be a purchaser of your products and services. So that's really the key here. So we'll begin with the top of the funnel, and that is the awareness stage. These are people who are looking for answers. They want to be educated. This could be they're just doing some research, uh, looking for some insight. So these are people who have a problem. What they're looking from your business is not necessarily the product because they're not quite ready yet. What they are looking for is an answer. And, And let me clarify that your product could be the solution that they're looking for. And it probably is. Kind of goes back to the beginning we talked about, well, this is like dating. You need to not necessarily go right in for the kill when somebody is at that, they're just learning. They're looking for answers. All the content types we talk about, you have to think about your messaging and the content you're creating with that in mind. So one of the first things we're going to talk about, it's the oldest one on here, but again, and Just so you know, Chris and I hate when people say that some sort of marketing tactic is dead. I'm not, maybe MySpace might be the only one that's actually dead, but blogging. Every company on earth should be putting out content in the form at a very minimum of blogging. I think that is enormous. And HubSpot put out, I think it was HubSpot, I I could be wrong, but 55% more visitors come to your website for companies that blog than those that don't. So blogging is the first thing that you should be creating on your website. Now, with blogging, again, you're not selling your product. When you're creating content in the awareness stage, you need to think of it like you're creating an FAQ. So you want to answer their questions, but not answer it in a way that you're pushing your product. You want to create your authority, your expertise. Definitely, you want to prove that you know what you're talking about. But again, these are people who are not necessarily looking to buy your product, but they are looking for answers. Blogging is a great way to do that. And also, if you want to go long form, creating articles as well. Yeah. And when we're talking about the blog, I want to evolve the way we think about the blog the same way we evolve the way we think about the customer journey, right? A blog, in my opinion, is really more of a public content repository, right? It is a way to host a bunch of content that your business produces that can be publicly searched and indexed by search engines so that individuals can find you. Now, in the traditional sense, when you think of a blog, you probably think of articles that are, you know, 500 to 1,000 words apiece, maybe published on a weekly cadence, and they're just you know, over time, you build up a lot of content that's searchable, right? And that is the traditional sense. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you are a writer, or you have a stable of writers, or just individuals for your company that love to write, absolutely something that you should consider is is the traditional form of blogging. But a blog being a content repository, you can essentially host any type of content that you want. This podcast, Digital Marketing Happy Hour, we host blog articles that are related to the podcast where the audio is hosted up there. You can do a video-based blog. You can do one on infographics. There's all types of different content that you can produce. So so I, I want to break the sense of the idea where you're thinking of blog in the traditional sense. Evolve the way you consider it. Think about it as a public-facing content repository. What you're doing by creating a blog 
is creating an opportunity for the content that you and your organization are going to develop so that it can be shared publicly and individuals can find you. And that goes back to what Ryan was talking about when we're talking about top of the funnel content is about the awareness stage or from the flywheel concept, the attract stage. How do you help people that have a problem find you? Yeah. And and just a couple other ways of content that you can create. And these also work as lead generation. So think of it like that. You can get leads by being helpful, even at the awareness stage. So we're not talking about getting a sale, but getting a lead. If you create a guide, a cheat sheet, uh, a, a checklist where you can have a piece of content like a blog within that blog, you maybe talk a little bit about something that you could then, you know, have people fill out a form with their name and their address, and then they download your guide that is in more detail of your blog article. So let's say you write a blog article, it's a thousand words, 1500 words. You can you can get a little bit into the meat of whatever it is that you're talking about, but here's a guide or better yet, here's a cheat sheet, a one page PDF. And in exchange for that, you're asking your readers, give me your email address. Now you've generated a lead at the same time while you're proving that your expertise in that area. So even with the awareness stage, you can create that authority with your customers or prospective customers, but also generate leads. And real quick, a couple of the things that you can do with content, a lot of times it's not so much even with content as it is like a tool, like you can have a calculator that you promote on social media. For example, if you're a car dealership, you can have a real easy to tool on your website to find out what your payment is. So those work really well. Same things with banks. They do that with mortgages and so forth. And I'm sure you've maybe even have used one yourself. You can use those. Again, that's a way of creating a tool that attracts people to your web- website because this is the awareness stage. They not, might not be going to you to get their mortgage payment necessarily. But if you're providing a tool that is beneficial and helpful, they will remember you down the road when they get more into that consideration stage. And then of course, real quick, once you create a bunch of blogs and articles, you can just take those and make it into an ebook. All of a sudden now, and people can download that ebook. And all that is, is you put them all together into an ebook and then educational webinar. So there's different types of webinars. At this stage, this has to be the education type. You're hosting a webinar, think of it like you're doing a training or a workshop for your prospective audience. Now, there are sales webinars, but again, that sales webinar should be populated with people who are in that further down the funnel, who are very done their research. They know about you. They already trust you. That's down the road. But right here, you can do a educational webinar as well. And this is also an important stage for you to be using the buyer personas that Ryan and I talk about constantly and making sure that you know who your audience is and the best way to reach them. Well, if you know who they are and you know the problems that they have, put yourself in their shoes. How would you go about searching for a solution to that problem, right? And that's the type of content that you're creating. Ryan just gave a couple of great examples there of some different top of the funnel content that raises awareness. Uh, webinars are fantastic. You see a lot of those in the medical field, right? And they're not trying to sell anything at that high level. It's just informative and it's giving you a lot of information. And if you want more information, fill out this form, check back more, uh, come back and see us in person. 
quizzes and cost calculators, another great way to just provide a little bit of information. The guide that Ryan talked about in terms of, you know, you ask the individuals for their email address and in, in turn you send them a guide. Well, also be thinking about the ways they might share that guide, right? They might present it to their friends. They might share it at their work. They might have other people take a look at that guide. Well, that guide should be branded with a bunch of your information and contact links and things like that so that if it's shared across other mediums, that people can find you when they're ready to make a purchasing decision because I always hated the term thought leadership, but in a lot of ways, that's kind of what you're doing here. You're creating a level of authority or thought leadership on the field or the industry that you serve in. And by distributing content like this, you're demonstrating that leadership of thought or ideas to others, and it, it helps begin the process of creating trust with them. And that's really all you're trying to do here, right? Showcase that you know what you're talking about. Here's some great solutions to your problem. And oh, by the way, if you're interested in learning more, we're here and ready to talk to you when you are ready for that. And if you want to learn more about thought leadership, go back and if you haven't done so already, go back and check out episode 20, how to maximize your LinkedIn social selling with Bryn Tillman. She really has a nice segment in there all about thought leadership. And I thought she was well-spoken and articulate in that. So for thought leadership, go, go check that one out. So the tip here for the awareness stage in, in the flywheel to attract is create content that solves your audience's problem without pushing your product or service. So the key here is you'll want to show value and gain trust with your audience. Do not sell here. Yeah, that's a critical point and it's worth repeating. You're not selling to them at the awareness stage. All you're doing is presenting helpful educational information so that your organization, your brand is top of mind when they are ready to make a buying decision. So Ryan, that is a key element of the awareness stage. Where do we go from here? Now that we've kind of sort of pushed our audience in and gradually guided them through content, now they're getting into the middle of the funnel. Uh, traditionally, that would be the consideration stage. If you're talking about HubSpot's flywheel, now we're in the engage. So engage and consider is the type of content that we want to produce. Now, where people are doing heavy research on whether or not your product, let's say, is a good fit for them, this is the type of content that you are trying to create. A great example of this are case studies. Success stories sell. I learned that a long time ago, and it's always resonated with me in my very, very brief sales career. But I did learn the fundamentals of sales in that, you know, success stories sell. People want to know that you have been successful with other people and places. They don't want you to be successful with them for the very first time ever. They want to see your history. Case studies is an absolutely great example of that. And there, if, if you can't create one, I know there's vendors out there that you can create case studies with. I believe if you're a, a, a Google Premier partner, if you're with an agency, uh, Google will create case studies. Now it has to be Google related, but they will work with you to create case studies. So there's there's definitely ways out there if, if that's an area that you're not great at. Another type of content that's really good when we're talking about sort of that, that middle of the funnel or that engaged stage on the flywheel is product comparisons. If you're selling a product or service, how does it compare to the similar products or services in the industry or maybe the top products and services that we're already aware of, right? How do you compare on quality? How do you compare on cost? How do you compare on 
you know, customer service or the elements that happen after the sale. Being able to showcase those either in videos or in tangible demos or in some form or some takeaway, that's going to be key because it gives them the opportunity to see how you compare on all of those elements. And then last but not least, the old school free sample. It, you know, when I hear free sample, I really think it just always takes me back to any mall all over America when you go in the food court and they're standing out front with the toothpicks and, and the food and you go by and you grab it. There's a reason why they do that. I mean, part of it is they know they're going to give away some free food and, and you're not coming in there, but they're going to get you to come in and have part of their food. So the free sample that you're considering that you have a sample of it and you're considering ever been to a trade show and you, you, you have these swag bags. Those are all free samples uh, with logos and branding and so forth. In this era, you're getting free samples of what some of the free things, hand sanitizer. A lot of times people are putting in there, right? Even if they serve alcohol, it is a sample, something to remember you buy, something to consider. So there's different ways of free samples uh, that you can have. And, and there's a, a boatload more out there of, of ideas. But if you think that along those contexts, Giving something away for free is memorable. When it comes to your content, don't be afraid to give out more than you think. A lot of times people hold back on what they know because that's what they're going to pay me for. And while there's a little bit of truth to that, I think you can give away more overall with content than you think. And don't be afraid to give it away for free. Whatever that free sample is, I think that's an area that some people hold on to. So my advice, uh, just give it away. Yeah, and this is actually an opportunity for you to be creative. Uh, we interviewed Jay Bear a few weeks ago, and one of the things he talked about is how boring industries sometimes have the, the best opportunity to be creative or to do something outside the box that really draws attention to them here. Well, there's lots that you can do at the consideration stage that's really creative. Ryan, have you heard the story of the company Will It Blend? Blend Tech Blenders? You know what? I think I have heard that actually, but please refresh my memory. Yeah, so you, you might not remember the brand, but they this is an, a company that makes amazing blenders. Now, you can go to Walmart or Target or I don't even think they have Kmarts anymore, but any regular department store and pick up a blender for 20 bucks or less, right? No big deal. And they've got some high-end ones out there that go as high as 100 or 200, the bullet, things like that, right? Well, uh, Blendtec had these blenders that was absolutely fantastic, but they couldn't get any traction on them. So they were trying to figure out, all right, how are we going to make some noise? How are we going to show people just how amazing these blenders are? So they started a video series, and I think it's still available on willitblend.com, where they basically blended an iPhone, they blended a, a uh, bag of nuts and bolts, and they used to do these spots once a month where, like, write in, write in what you want us to throw in the blender. And, you know, the iPhone, you take it out and it's nothing but dust, right? The blender just, just chopped it all up. Well, clearly, if it can handle an iPhone, I know it's going to be able to handle my mixed drink, right? No problem. So they got really creative and these videos went viral. Individuals were, were able to start sharing them and engaging with them and like, oh, what are they going to, what are they going to blend this month? You know, I want to go check it out. So it's just a really creative way to sell something or to help engage with individuals on what would be an otherwise boring product in the form of a blender. So there's real opportunity in this space to get creative with how you're presenting and demoing your product. That reminds me of the uh, the Ginsu knives. 
uh, you know, these these late night infomercials and they'd be cutting like aluminum cans. Like, I don't need to cut aluminum can. I just can, can I cut some some steak? Can I can I get that? You know, <laughs> but it's interesting, though, the different types of content that people will use. Some of it can be a little cheeky. Some of it can be very serious, but it gets your attention. And I think that in, in, in which is great for here, because that's the type of content uh, that will definitely get people uh, to engage. So the channels, additionally, that you can promote this on, and when you have videos like that, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, hello. I mean, we don't talk about that enough here, but talk about getting people engaged uh, with it. And those platforms, I think, are perfect for this stage of the flywheel slash funnel. Other ways, email marketing. And when people come to your website and they leave, let's not forget, you know, these retargeting ads that you can do through uh, Google or Bing PPC, as well as, you know, a Facebook retargeting ad, for example. So definitely those are the channels that really work well with that uh, promoting your content that you've created. So once we get through the middle of the funnel, now we're talking about the bottom of the funnel. Ryan, what stage are we in then? So this is the decision stage, or if you're on the flywheel, it's the delight stage. This is where people are figuring out exactly what it would take to become a customer. I think out of all of the different content types, the most impactful type of content is to get testimonials from your customers. Ideally, to have the most impact, it's to get it on video. The higher ticket item that you have, then higher ticket, by the way, is relative. It could be, you know, something that's $3,000 that you have a course that you have created and you're selling, you know, to entrepreneurs, you know, solopreneurs, whatever. That's a lot of money. It could also be you're trying to sell a $40,000 vehicle at the local car dealership. Either way, customer testimonials, no matter what, truly do help move the needle. Also, great for remarketing. People have been to your website. They have checked it out. They're now down to you and somebody else, maybe a third, but usually at this stage, it's usually between one or two. If you can get customer testimonials and have them on video, use that as a remarketing so that when people leave and they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're going to see customer testimonials. And what they're going to hear and see on video is what a great experience they had with your product, with your brand at your, your physical location. If it's a service that you're selling, that's what they're going to hear. So you're not going to shove your product down their face. You're not going to see nothing but your logo around constantly. It's going to be your customers talking, maybe even in detail, saying what a great experience they had. That I think of all the things that we can talk about is going to be the one that helps move the needle. Giving your customers the opportunity to hold, to use your product is really one of the big keys at this stage as well. You know, Tempur-Pedic gives you 30 days free to try out their mattress. Carvana, when you purchase a car, gives you seven days. And within that seven days, you can return it. No questions asked if you're not happy with it. This is a great opportunity to really demonstrate, you know, the proof is in the pudding, as they say, right? Really put uh, your money where your mouth is and give the product to the customers and say, if you have any problems with it, this is your opportunity now to come back to us. And some actually go even further than that. Patagonia sweaters is a great example of that. When you buy a sweater from them, if you break the zipper on it or you have any problems with it, they warranty that sweater for the life of the sweater. Now, 
Is that sweater going to last forever? No, of course not. And they know that. But the difference is, is that by doing inexpensive, relatively inexpensive repairs, like replacing a zipper or patching a sweater, they know that you're probably going to buy several sweaters from them. You're probably going to buy them for your family, for your friends and things like that, right? This is where you're really showcasing the value that you offer and you're kind of sealing the deal and not just closing the sale, which I think was the more traditional way of looking at it. Close the sale, get them out the door and boom, you're done, right? Well, you're not done. Your relationship continues from that point forward. How do you continue to delight them, check in with them, make sure they're just as happy with their product 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, a year from now as they are the day they bought it? And oh, by the way, we've got these other products now. Can we show, showcase any of these to you? Absolutely. And outside of the the customer testimonials, uh, I, I would say the next, of course, and some might argue that it's this one, it's the, the discount, it's the coupon that they can get. You know, how many times have you ever, before you purchase something online, and it's for e-commerce, then you went and did a Google search for the uh, the coupon code or whatever that could be that you could apply, and then you try it and see if it works. So definitely giving people the ability to receive a perceived discount, I think really does go far. So what people are saying about you, obviously even give them some value where they feel is back. I think that also is huge too. At the beginning of the awareness stage, we talked about educational webinar. And I said, there's a couple of different types of webinars that you can do. Once you get down to the decision stage, now you can get into doing a sales webinar. You want to populate this webinar with people who are familiar with you. Hopefully at this point, you have their email address. Uh, You've maybe been communicating with them already. And now you're setting up for those people, not necessarily a new audience. You want a warm audience that are familiar with you. Now you create a sales webinar. Now you're going to get into your products. You're going to explain the value that it brings them. Um, You're going to talk about the benefits, not the features. I mean, the features are nice, but the benefits, what is it going to save them? Is it going to save them time? Is it going to save them money? Is it going to save them heartache? What are the benefits of doing this? So you have the ability on your webinar, depending on what kind of products you have, you can also demonstrate that product. And again, it's all about These are the people who took the time to come on your webinar, and now you want to make sure that you're giving them value. So I think sales webinars are fantastic. Again, it's all about your list. It's all about the people that you're bringing to attend it, which will determine what kind of conversion rate you have at the end of it. Cold audience on a sales webinar, probably not going to do very well. But a warm audience who you have nurtured from awareness all the way down now to the decision stage or on the flywheel, the the delight stage, this is a very effective tactic. So Chris, you know, the funnel itself, you can change the name of it, you know, and and it has evolved, but I think the funnel itself and the stages of bringing your prospect in, whether it's at the very top or maybe sort of like the side door, they come in, you know, as they're in that consideration stage, however, you have to whiteboard it and draw it up. It's very real, whether it's a funnel or a flywheel, it is a process that people need to incorporate and it's a model they need to have within their organization. So I think it's overlooked. I think there's a lot of this that's it's assumed within organizations, but not only following a funnel, but making sure that you have the right content for each stage. Otherwise, if you have a sales content in the awareness stage, it's not going to work. It's not saying that your sales content is bad. It could very well be good. The problem is your audience isn't right for it. So you have to keep that in mind. What are they ready for? 
that is one of the main reasons. And with your feedback, and thank you again so much for reaching out to us via social media. And and we've been trying to answer your questions as, as much as possible. Those are some of the questions that we got. So again, that gave us a great idea for this because content is big, but you know, some people still struggle with what piece of content and, and who do I send it to? Yeah. And I think a key here too, is that you don't, even though you need different main focuses for your content at each of these stages. We're not necessarily talking about creating brand new content. I like to think about it as a continuation of the content, right? In other words, in the awareness stage, you're kind of introducing the problem. And then as you get more into the consideration stage or the engagement stage, you're you're sort of spitballing some possible solutions or you as the expert are demonstrating some solutions. And then as you get into the decision stage or the delight stage, you're really focusing on why the solution you provide is the best or the most cost effective or whatever the edges that you're trying to present there. So really, it's a continuation of that content. And you can actually reuse a lot of content you've created for other stages, as long as you're tailoring it to the stage that you're working in. So all keys to to get out there, get in front of your customers and really start generating some more successful results. Well, Chris, you know, during every happy hour, we like to obviously talk shop, but also want to keep it light. Anything that you are uh, binge watching or listening to these days? You know, I have been so busy lately that I just I have not had time to watch much. But I did happen to catch a small documentary. It's a four-part series that was on Netflix called Challenger, The Final Flight, which, I, you know, I think I've mentioned before, I've read uh, Space Travel's always fascinated me. So anytime I find something interesting about it, I'll, I'll check it out. And this was a documentary that it really focused on the space shuttle program in general, but more specifically, the explosion of the Challenger in, I believe it was 1986, um, 72 seconds after takeoff, which was such an incredible story, really gripped the country. But it went into a lot of the decision-making behind that, the companies that were used, how the government handled it or potentially mishandled it, uh, depending upon your perspective and whatnot. Really, really interesting documentary. And it's only a four-part series, so uh, you know, less than an hour per episode. It really didn't take too much out of you to consume it. So I highly recommend it if, uh, if anybody else happens to be interested. I did not know that's available. You know, the Challenger explosion, why did we, you know, just so you know, we don't always talk about this before we go on. And uh, that hit home because at during that time, I was, I'll, I'll age myself here, I was 11 years old. And that day, and that was a big deal with a teacher going up in space. So that was a big deal at, in all the schools and living uh, at the time I was living in Palm Harbor, Florida, which is just north uh, west of Tampa, northwest of Tampa, about 20 miles. And I was going to school and our schools were overcrowded. So it was afternoon session. So so I was in the afternoon session. So my bus ride wasn't like at seven in the morning. Uh, it was later in the morning on that. And after it exploded, I'll never forget this. It was a crystal clear day. And you could actually, from my house on the bus ride, looking up, even on the West coast of Florida, you could see the why of the explosion and being, I just remember being 11 years old and it's still, you know, just sort of embedded in my brain, uh, you know, all the way back since, you know, what, 1987. Um, so I, I really am interested in that, look forward to that because I just remember being in school, everybody talked about it and there was a lot of excitement and every classroom had a TV. And back then, not every classroom's had TVs in them. And I remember they kind of, they put them on the carts and they wheeled them into the classroom yep, so you yep. could, you could, you could watch. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that. That is, uh, I definitely want to check that out. 
that was an interesting one too, because one of the things they covered in it, not to not to spoil too much here, but uh, NASA had been suffering from, you know, you, you put somebody on the moon and then you launch the space shuttle program, but the space shuttle flights weren't getting as much attention, which is why they launched that initiative to put a teacher in space, right? Because all of the classrooms were engaged at this idea that, wow, a teacher's going to go up into space and do two lessons while they're up there. So everybody was watching this. And then to have that tragedy happen was just, just terrible. And you get the inside stories and stuff. So really, really fascinating documentary. But anyway, what about you, Ryan? What are you binge watching these days? Well, Chris, you know what week this is? Do you know? It is the Tampa Bay Rays versus the New York Yankees in the American League Division Series. Now, to, to fully appreciate this, and if you like baseball, go back and listen to episode 15 with Neil Schaefer. At the end of that, we had a whole baseball discussion, again, that organically just kind of happened. So shout out to Neil Schaefer, big, big Dodger fan. And we had this discussion of, you know, the Dodgers versus the Yankees in the World Series. And so I had to put my palms up, say, hold up now. Wait a minute. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be in the World Series. Well, we're going to find out at least because one of these teams is getting knocked out this week. So what I'm binging is my Tampa Bay Rays versus Chris Casale's New York Yankees. And these teams hate each other. So it should be actually really good, fun, fun series. So that's what I'm binging. They're actually uh, Hal Steinbrenner's Yankees because if they were Chris Casale's Yankees, you can bet I would not be doing this podcast. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Well, we want to hear from you. If you heard something that you loved or maybe Chris or I said something you disagree with, we want your feedback. We've heard a lot from you in the past through social media, uh, especially LinkedIn is a great place to, to reach out to us. So we want to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast at araxam.com. That's podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. LinkedIn, search Ryan Smith. Do Ryan Smith Marketing, probably the easiest way to find me. And also hit me up on Twitter and Instagram, Ryan Smith FLA. Yeah, the outreach has been fantastic, and we really sincerely appreciate and enjoy talking to all of you. I'm on Twitter at Real Chris Casale. That's R-E-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-A-L-E. And, of course, on LinkedIn as well. You can find me under Chris Casale. You can also find me under Araxum or, of course, Digital Marketing Happy Hour. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We sincerely hope it will enlighten your day. After all, it is our mom's favorite podcast. And on that note, thanks everybody for listening and hope you have a great day. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxum at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at CactusSlimRecords.com. The music used for closing credits is a song called In My Pocket by Jazzer. You can find it on their album Message. Learn more at BetterWithMusic.com. Thank you for listening.